Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. I want to talk to you about um, a couple things, and I want to finish up what I began last week on the What's Growing. This is What's Growing Part 2. But I have recently asked for and received some prophetic ministry from some ministries that do not know me. You know, sometimes that's an advantage when you get ministry from somebody that really doesn't know you or anything about your life or whatever. And uh, two separate ministries located in two different states. And, and so um, I got them within just a few days of each other. And the thing that was consistent on both of these words were that 2007 was a rough year, but it also brought an end. It closed a lot of things. It finished a lot of things. And I got to thinking about all the things that we experienced that kind of came to an end in 2007. There were a number of things, you know. Um, Also, the word was really clear that 2008 was the year of finally walking in the things that had been promised. It was a word like finally, after all this time. And... You know, I took a lot of encouragement from that. I thought, you know, praise God. It's one thing if you have one person gives you the word, but when you have two people, two different ministries, don't know you, you get the same kind of a word. That's a really good thing as well, too. You know, I love, we love confirmation, don't we? We, we love to hear it even the second time, the third time, the fourth time, because that really reinforces that God's not changed his mind and everybody is hearing from God. Nobody's just making this up. So that's a really, really wonderful thing. And so because you are linked with me, you know, what's happening in my life is happening here and is ultimately in one fashion or another is happening in your life as well. And so when I receive ministry, I always have in the back of my mind the understanding that whatever words of of blessing or increase or whatever that come through me ultimately also extend to everybody who I'm connected with, you know. And so I really... It has really encouraged me in a lot of ways that even the things that I preached on last week were exactly timely. They were right on the money. I know that was a hard word, and but I've had people have thanked me for hard words and said, please, give us more hard words, you know. And so um, that's, that's where, you know, this is where we are because I think that some of us have just been, and we've been in church for a long time and serving God for a long time, and our hearts are hungry to see things change, There's to see something different. And a lot of us have gotten just kind of frustrated with, you know, business as usual, with whatever. We want to see something fresh and alive that, that God is doing. And so many of us have had promises. We've heard over the years God has promised tremendous things that, you know, we've stood and we've held. And lots of times we've just had a lot of disappointment and haven't seen things happen. But I took courage that 2007 was a year of being done with a lot of things, of being done. And 2008 is a year of new beginnings, and it is a time for us to begin to walk into some things that we've been promised. So therefore, it's important that that we are in faith when the Lord returns, whether the Lord returns physically or the Lord returns in the move of His Spirit. It's important that each one of us are in faith, that we're in a position of obedience to what we know that He's already spoken to us to do, and if for everybody who is in a place of, 
of darkness and I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to be. You know what? If you're obedient to the stuff you do know, you know? There's a lot of things sometimes that we don't have all the details worked out the way we'd like. But we can always go back to, but I do know this. I do know I need to continue with this good activity. I need to continue with that good practice. I do know I need to forgive. I do know I need to believe the best about one another. I do know I need to be faithful. I do know these kinds of things. And so we stick with what we at least do know in anticipation that some more light, some more understanding is going to come. And so last week as I began, and, and also we just let's just pray and agree together tonight for no technical difficulties. We've had three weeks of technical difficulties. Uh, with our recordings and you know and I believe that certainly I mean human error factors in because we're human but on the other hand I think that the devil doesn't want very many people hearing some of the stuff <laughs> so if it can just mess with the recording but we just thank God and we just pray right now Lord God for our recording to go well tonight in Jesus name for all technical issues to be resolved and over with in Jesus name all right um, you know, it reminds me of many years ago, um, we had a, when we had uh, church services, it didn't matter who it was, but invariably, if I brought in a guest speaker to minister, invariably, every time, the sirens and the fire trucks and everybody went right down the street in front when he was trying to preach. It happened every time. And after a while, you're like, okay, who's calling 911 at 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock, you know, at night when we have a speaker? And I mean, they would go right zooming down the street in front of us to where, I mean, you'd have drowned out everything. You couldn't hear anything, you know. Only when we have a guest speaker. See, the devil loves to get people distracted so that they're not hearing what they need to hear, right? So, and, um, and also for you parents, you know what, your little babies are not bothering me, and if, you know, and if you want to stay out here, that's fine. If they get real rowdy and your neighbors are getting a little distracted, then okay, you can move to another part or whatever, but I think that we just need to kind of get over it. I think having children in a church is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Do you know there are some churches with absolutely no kids in them? That's horrible, y'all. We want, we want, you know, because if you've got kids in a church, that means life, you know? So it's like, okay, we can, you know what? The Bible says the little children loved Jesus, and they heard him gladly, right? And so we can teach them all. I used to teach them when they were little, throw their hands up, praise the Lord, hallelujah, and teach them how to do that, and teach them how to dance in church, and teach them how to sing along, and y'all heard me tell my stories about when Sarah was two and she sat up on the chair and she would sing and she made up the words as best she understood what we were singing. It was, you know, and let God arise and his enemies be splattered. That's, <laughs> that's what she thought everybody was singing, you know. And you, and you can have our praise, not you inhabit our praise, but you can have our praise. <laughs> you can have it. You know, it was real cute because she's two, three, you know, two, three, four years old. You know, and I, this is a real side note, but the truth is that people love to watch children worship God. But you know what? Our children learn from us how to worship God. And the reason that she danced and lifted her hands and clapped and sung is because mom and dad did it. 
because we stood right there and said, this is how you worship God, honey, and, let, and gave her room to do it. So I encourage parents, train your children in the way they should go. Teach them how to behave in worship. Teach them it's okay to sing and shout and praise. Didn't Jesus say, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you have ordained praise? That means babies that can't talk yet can praise the Lord. <coughs> Hallelujah. So they just have to make noise. Hallelujah. They squeal, you know, and they laugh, and it's wonderful. Hallelujah. Okay. As I was talking to you last night, we're looking at the fact that God has given us five-fold ministers to equip the saints for work of service. That he has given us those to equip us, and they equip by means of teaching, by training, by coaching, by correction, by healing, by deliverance. God has given five-fold ministers to us so that we can be healed, perfected, equipped, and go out and fulfill the ministry that God has given each one of us to do. And without having the input from five-fold ministers, we will not be ready for the Lord's return. We cannot equip ourselves. You can take classes. You can study. But, you know, when you do that, you're studying a teacher. You're studying what somebody else has written, what somebody else has prepared. We can all learn, and we need to learn to feed ourselves from the Word of God. But we will not be equipped and prepared without the input of five-fold ministry. So for everybody that doesn't like church and just wants to go have church with them and, their Je them and Jesus and their Bible, it's out of balance. Because he has given us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of saints for the work of the ministry. And so with that, our ministry gifts are helping prepare us for the Lord and to help us learn how God has uniquely gifted and called each one of us. And so it's five-fold ministers are, it's, are to... In some ways, some of us do a lot of training. We'll train you in dream interpretation. We'll train you in the prophetic. We'll train you in worship. We'll train you in counseling. We'll train you in healing the sick. We'll train you in all these things. You know, some people need to be trained in real practical things like sound equipment and, and you know, protection and ushers and all that kind of thing. You know, we need to have training in all kinds of areas in order to minister and to bless other folks. And so we looked from the scriptures last week, we looked at Mark 4, where the Jesus gave the parable of the sower sows the word, and he talked about that the word was sown on thorny ground, it was also sown on good ground, but the thorny ground, the word was trying to grow and produce in that person's heart and life, but the thorns came up and were choking out the word. And the message is that the word will always produce if something else is not choking it out. And so... Instead of having a garden that was well cared for, the weeds were dug up, the weeds were, were hoed out and pulled out, this person had neglected and allowed the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the deceitfulness of riches to come in and to crowd out the word so the word was not able to really produce in a person's life. And so that comes from neglect. You know, and I was talking to you last week about if you've ever noticed an Amish farm. An Amish farm is absolutely pristine. They are so clean because they go in there and they don't allow trash and debris. They don't allow weeds. Somebody is very diligent to have a nice, neat, and orderly farm. And so the thing is that we also want to pay attention to what is growing in our hearts and lives to make sure that the word is, given the, is receiving the adequate attention and it's not being crowded out by life, by other concerns, demands, other things are being placed upon us. 
And the question was, how much is there to show for the Word of God being planted in your life? You know, there are some people that just because they've been to church all their lives doesn't mean there's anything producing. There's no evidence that's going on. As a matter of fact, they've done so many surveys and have found out you really can't tell any difference between Christians and non-Christians in this country. There's no discernible difference between the two. And it's not just because, you know, well, sure, we go to more meetings than they do. But they want to see some discernible difference in a person's life. And so since my job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, and also the Lord told me personally to make a people ready for the Lord, to prepare a people, then I'm going to do what I can to help you see where those weeds are coming in and are trying to crowd out the life of God's Word that's trying to grow and produce in your life. You know, sometimes we've gotten mad and upset and we've fussed at God or we've said, you know, that doesn't work. You know, I tried it. I prayed. It didn't come up. It didn't work out the way I wanted it to. And, and the problem was not that the Word didn't produce, but we had so many other things that crowded it out. It was not able to bring forth the harvest. Okay? And so we also looked at Proverbs 24 last week where the Scripture talks about, I passed by the field of the sluggard. And the sluggard's field was overgrown with all kinds of thistles and weeds. And it, was, and it was so because the sluggard was too lazy to get up there and do anything about it. And you and I know that if you just try to, you just throw some seeds out there in your, your, your dirt and you don't do anything else, you'll grow some of the seed that you planted, whether it was grass or flowers or, or vegetables, but you're also going to have a lot of other stuff you didn't plant. The wind's going to blow in some dandelions or something that's going to grow up that you didn't plant. And without being diligent to get rid of those things, you can wind up having your garden taken over by something you never intended to take over. You know, how come, it seems odd, you know, how come it is that your, your garden doesn't get taken over with, you know, pansies? <laughs> it usually gets taken over with dandelions, you know? And it's because the nature of the you know the nature of nature is actually under the under the curses. It will deteriorate. Things will go downhill without conscious, diligent effort being put to do something different. I heard a story a long time ago about a man had gone to see a farmer, and a farmer had a beautiful, well cared for, highly developed farm. And so the man came to see him and said, "Oh, what a beautiful farm the Lord has given you." Aren't you pleased with this beautiful farm? Didn't God do a wonderful thing? And the farmer says, oh, yeah? You should have seen what condition it was when I got it. The farmer did all that hard work. It raw and natural. It was probably full of rocks and full of weeds and all kinds of things. It didn't look like a beautiful farm when he got it. But by the time he added his own diligence, he improved upon what God had given him. You know what? God is expecting us to improve upon what he has given us as well. Okay? Um, we also looked at last week that from Hebrews chapter 5, that the writer of Hebrews says that I want to tell you some more things, but I can't because you've become dull of hearing. And the phrase dull of hearing means to be sluggish or to be lazy. And so as we looked at that passage, Hebrews writer was talking about you don't need solid food, you don't need meat, you still need milk. You guys have gotten lazy. You don't want anything you've got to dig out for yourselves. You like the milk that's easy digestible, you know, doesn't give you any problems, just goes down real smooth, real, you know, real easy. You don't have to chew it. 
You don't have to work on it. You just kind of let it fall in your mouth, and there it goes. And the truth is that people who are lazy about the things of God, they do not dig out the truth for themselves. And they're satisfied with teaching that doesn't require anything of them. Just come tell us how blessed we are. Just come tell us how wonderful things are. Don't make me do anything, you know, and it'll be just fine. And that's an attitude of a sluggard that means if I don't volunteer my own effort, my own diligence to it, then, you know, I want things handed to me without me having to participate. But the Bible teaches us that we are co-laborers together with God. So it's not all him, it's not all us. It's he has provided richly all things for us to enjoy. But whether we enjoy them or not is up to us. It's up to our participation to obey what he has told us to do in the scriptures. Then we also saw, continuing from there, that he said... um, He talked about that the ground drinks the rain and and brings forth vegetation. It's useful. If it brings forth weeds, it's just get burned up. There's There's nothing to be shown for it. You know, we want our lives to be productive, to produce something that's going to be a blessing to somebody else. So the reason that we'll come to classes and we'll come to training events and we'll come get healed and we'll come get delivered is not only so our own lives are better off, but so that we have something to give to somebody else, so that we can minister life to somebody else. If nothing else, as somebody got prophetic word tonight, is you've got a testimony something that can be a source of encouragement to somebody else. You know, I've been through some things that because of them, God bringing me through, I have been able to be a source of encouragement and strength to somebody else. All right? So we also, you know, saw there from Hebrews that the Bible says that we are not to be sluggish, but that we are to be imitators of those who faith and patience inherit the promises. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. God wants us to inherit his promises. You know, if we, if we have a rich relative who decides to leave all of their estate to us, and we may know about the will, but do you know if the will is not actually produced, we'll never get our inheritance? Do you know that if we don't go and take action, we'll never get our inheritance? How many times have you heard stories about somebody left a fortune to some distant relative, and so then the executor of the state is trying to find this missing person so they can hand them the check? Until they find them and they make a connection, there's not going to be a transfer of property. And see, God has given us an inheritance that we also want to connect with so that we're able to receive the things that God has for us. And sometimes that's just showing up in faith and saying, God, I see it here in your word. This is what you have promised. And I'm going to lay claim to it for myself in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, what is, you think about this. You know, maybe you were like me that you were a Christian for years before you knew that God healed. I was a Christian for years before I knew that. I didn't, nobody ever taught it when I grew up. I never saw anybody get healed. So we just didn't know. Now, I thought that was something that happened, you know, way back when Jesus walked the earth. I didn't know anybody who got healed. And so it wasn't until I was taught, until I was instructed that healing belonged to us today, that I was like, oh, well, now I should lay, ha- lay hold of that inheritance. Now I should claim that for myself. And so since that time, I have done that, and I have received healing, and as all, I've also prayed for other people and seen them healed. But it's because we found out what was in the inheritance and we laid claim to it. 
You see, lots of things, if we don't know it's there and we don't understand faith, we won't be able to lay claim to it and to receive it. And I've heard some wonderful stories here recently about people who just decided to obey the Bible and watch, lo and behold, how things worked. Hallelujah. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. That's a strong warning. Notice in verse 2, be ready in season, out of season. Right? In season, out of season. Strawberries are not in season in Virginia in January. They're out of season. But you can still get them. They ship them from California or Mexico or somewhere. You can still get them. You know, sometimes there's going to be a time when it seems very timely and very appropriate for the rebuke or instruction or correction of the word to come forth. Sometimes the timing just seems all wrong. But you know what? God says in season and out of season. If it's what we need, it's what we need, and we need to get it. And sometimes, you know, even in having to bring correction, sometimes I have pulled back and I've said, God, but I know they've got this going on right now, and they've got that going on right now. And sometimes the Lord has just really told me it doesn't matter. They need it, and they need it now. Deal with it in season and out of season. Now, I hope you can see this in your own Bible. But I want you to notice there in verse 2 this this group of uh, this phrase here reprove rebuke exhort with great patience and instruction let's look at these words i looked them up the word reprove the word reprove means convict admonish tell a fault that's telling somebody what they're doing wrong admonishing somebody that's fussing at people don't be doing that anymore that's what reproof means the word rebuke, it means to tax upon, set a weight upon, chide, censure, admonish, forbid, charge. To set a weight upon, that's like getting on somebody's case. Isn't that what that means? To put pressure on someone? This word that Paul told Timothy to rebuke the church is the exact same word that Jesus used to rebuke evil spirits, the sea, and he rebuked the fever. Whoa! Same. So when Jesus commanded, I command you to come out and depart from this man and leave him no more. That same type of rebuke, when he becomes with a strong rebuke, get thee behind me, Peter. We see in the scriptures many times when Jesus rebuked, the exact same word Paul said, rebuke those people. That's tough, isn't it? I don't like to get rebuked. Y'all? It's no fun. It's no fun at all. But it doesn't matter if it's fun. It's what we need from time to time. When it's necessary to exhort. To, the word exhort means to call to pursue a course of conduct. To call to pursue a course of conduct. 
to exhort is more than, well, you ought to think about. You know, you really ought to think about coming to this class. Exhorting is you need to do something good for yourself and obey the kingdom and get your acting gear and do the right thing. And you need to sign up for that class. You need to be there. That's exhortation. You see, we don't like that either. We like comfort. We like encouragement. But you know, prophecy also includes exhortation. And exhortation is get off your butt and do what you're supposed to be doing. Now, I don't particularly like exhortive words. I give them from time to time. There was a couple of exhortive words here tonight, a little bit. But you know what? Exhortation is good because it's what it's doing is it's telling us to pursue a godly course of action, to do something we know is right. Now, as I said last week, this is what I wound up making some of y'all mad. I made some of y'all mad because I exhorted you to do the right thing. I exhorted people by email. I exhorted them face-to-face. -face. I exhorted people. And I said, you need to do the right thing. And this is what the Bible says. And I had people mad at me. They've all gotten over it. And I've all forgiven. We're all forgiven. We're good. But you know what? You can't, we can't be afraid of exhortation or rebuke or reproof. When the scripture is very clear, the scripture has given us for that very purpose. Now it also says here, with great patience and instruction. You know, I believe this is the safety for this. It's not just getting chewed out, but it's with great patience and instruction. To me, that always speaks of redemptive. So if I rebuke a person, it's with patience, because I know that rebuke is hard to hear. It's with instruction, so they understand the proper thing to do, what to do you know, better. I corrected somebody here once a uh, couple years ago, and the thing that blessed me so much, I, I, you know, I don't enjoy doing this. I have to sometimes. And so the person said to me, I've been corrected at work before, and all they did was fuss at me for what I did wrong. And they said, but when you correct me, you tell me how to fix it. You tell me what to change. And, he's, and the person said, that makes all the difference. Well, praise God. You know, praise God. Because it can be frustrating if we are, as the scripture says, overtaken in a fault. Then the Bible says that sometimes we get overtaken in a fault. I mean, you're not trying to be a brat. You just are, you know. <laughs> I mean, come on. We've all woken up those days and just we were brat that day, okay. But not trying to be overtaken, but when we are overtaken, it says in Galatians, you who are spiritual, restore them with what? With gentleness. So this is instruction, okay? And sometimes I've said to people, quit being a brat. That's a strong rebuke. Quit being a brat. Quit being like that. Instead, let's make a change and give somebody some instruction and help them out. And, with, and if you're on the receiving end of that kind of rebuke, then you'll want to know, okay, how do I change? Then what can I do different? And if you're not being instructed there, you know, you can ask the person or go to God. God, what can I do differently to make this change? How can I do this? You know, because remember, it's about redemption. We're not trying to drive people out of our lives or drive them out of the church. That's happened a lot of times. A lot of people can't take rebuke, can't take correction. I've corrected them, and they're gone. It's happened a lot, you know. It's too bad. 
Because I look at how many people Jesus rebuked and they came back. I mean, come on. I hadn't told anybody here they were Satan. And you know, Jesus said that to one of his staff. His staff opened his mouth against Jesus and Jesus rebuked him severely. Get thee behind me, Satan. And you know what? Peter didn't pick up his toys and go home. He didn't get all hurt and offended. And, wow, I ain't never been talked to like that in my life. He didn't do that mess. What he do? He got hurt and he got over it. Praise God for Peter. You know, Peter takes a lot of, he, he gets a lot of abuse, doesn't he? Peter, Peter this, Peter that. But you know what? Peter repented and Peter made it right. And I've seen plenty of people who had a far less severe rebuke that walked away. There was no repairing. There was no fixing it. They were gone. We have got to grow up. We have got to quit being so touchy, so easily have our feelings hurt. And if our feelings get hurt, we've got to learn to forgive ourselves, forgive other people, and take the correction and go on. Right? You know, because if we just think, well, this person just being mean to me, then we have overlooked this whole passage of Scripture. If you think I'm just picking on you, then you forgot who I am in your life. I know I'm related to some of y'all. Some of y'all have known me a really long time. You know, but I wear a lot of hats. But you need to understand, when I'm dealing with you about spiritual things, when I'm dealing with you about your conduct, I'm not your mother, I'm not your aunt, I'm not your whatever. I'm not anything except five-fold minister doing what the scripture said of getting you ready for what God has for you. All right? You know what? You can get mad, you can walk out the door, and you can leave me. But the truth is, God's going to have somebody else down the road that will deal with the same issues if you don't get them dealt with. How many times I saw, did you see this when you were a kid growing up? You'd have the kid in school, and he's the troublemaker in school, the one's always getting sent to the principal's office all the time, you know, rebelling against the teacher, rebelling against the principal, rebelling against mom and dad, everything. What do they do? Join the Marines. <laughs> Which I always thought was so funny. It was that or go to reform school, you know, but they would go join the Marines. And I'm thinking, you're wanting to get away from authority. Yeah. And I've watched people do that. I watch people get mad at me and my leadership and go leave me and join the toughest, most legalistic church in town. I'm like, you just went to the Marines. You thought I was bad? <laughs> oh, you ain't seen that. I thought, you know, if that's what it's going to take to break that thing out of you to where then you can, can begin to receive instruction again. You know what? The Bible tells us not to be like the mule. <laughs> you know, not to be stubborn. It tells us not to be those. You know, the scripture says in Proverbs, he that is often rebuked and hardens his neck, stiffens his neck, will have it broken. Hey, we don't need that. Instead of having stiff-necked and difficult and stubborn, let's just learn to bow and surrender to the authority of the Scripture, and even if it's coming out of the mouth of someone that we know. Because it's the, all Scripture is given for correction. And what's the purpose of it? It's so you can have fruit in your life. So that your life is going to be like God intended for it to be. Hallelujah. Praise God. So... Reprove it and rebuke it and exhort him. Hmm, still doesn't sound like fun, but I tell you what, 
I like the idea of growing a lot of fruit. Let's look at John chapter 15. John 15. I like the idea of having the Word of God produce in my life. I like the idea of being free and healed, of being delivered. I, I, I like the idea of things not having a hold on me. You know, not being hold, you know, captive to depression or fits of rage, not being captive to fears, not being captive to worry. I like the idea of a life free of all that stuff. But you know what? A lot of those things have been allowed, those are weeds that have been allowed to grow within our lives, and now it's going to take some work to get those things out. We want to dig, out, dig them out by the roots so that they can't produce any longer. Hallelujah. John 15, 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. Wow. I was doing really good. And the Lord dealt with me. He prunes it so it may bear more fruit. You are already clean, or the word is means pruned, because of the word which I have spoken to you. The words of Jesus, including the reproof and the rebuke and the exhortation, those things are pruning behaviors, mindsets, things that have got to go, and sharpening us and making us more fruit, more fruitful, bearing a lot more fruit. Pruning, I don't know how many of you have ever had to prune a tree, if you've had fruit trees or anything like that, but um, pruning is for a few different reasons. You know, back, they prune in the, when, in the time when the tree is dormant. It's when, you know, it's not in the middle of summer with all the leaves and stuff, but it's when the, tr the tree has begun to, you know, go to sleep for the winter or whatever. That's when they go to prune it. And so they go and they look at the branches and they look at the shape of the overall tree and they're looking for damaged branches because they don't want insects to get in there and cause problems. They also look for branches that have grown to where they are maybe crossing other branches. They have, instead of like growing out, it begins to go across. And so now it's becoming a hindrance to something else. It has grown to a point to where now it's going to be a problem. Sometimes they prune trees because there's not enough light getting in the middle. And so they take out some of the branches out of the middle so the light can get to all of the branches and therefore the fruit can grow up on all the branches. And so you can have pruning what seems to be a perfectly good branch, but it's just in the wrong place and it's got to go in order to have more fruit. There are some things that God begins to deal with us about that seem to be harmless enough, that seem to be okay, maybe even good activities, but God says it's going to have to go because of something else I want to do in your life. And I've got numerous examples of this from my own life I can give an example of, but I'll give you one little short one. One little short one was when, when I was, uh, well, let me think, which one do I want to go with? Which one's a short, concise? Okay. Um, there was a season that I was, um, I was, I had founded a Women's Aglow chapter, and I was leading that. I had been discipling another women, a number of women, and the Baptist of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and these types of things. And so I had founded this chapter, and so I had all this set up. And I was, I knew, I mean, I had, had prophetic confirmation. 
I was directed by God to do this. And so I knew it was God's will. So I go and I get this thing done. I get it established and I get it running. And so there we are running for several months. And lo and behold, my husband comes home from work one day. We have orders to Alaska. I'm like, what? I thought it was bad enough living in Nebraska. You know, I'm a southern girl. <laughs> and then we got orders for Alaska. And my heart sank because I had built this thing. It was growing so beautifully. Women were coming. They were getting healed. They were getting set free and delivered. It was wonderful. And I was like, oh, my God, now what? And God said, you're going to let it go. You're going to Alaska with your husband. You're going to let it go. I'm like, but God, I start, this is my baby. I started this thing. It's going so well. And the Lord reminded me, it's not yours. Let it go. I had to let go of the leadership and turn it over completely, something that was my baby, something that God had ready me to do. It was a good thing at its time, but God had other things for me. And one was I had to go to Alaska because I had my destiny was taking me to Alaska, and there were other divine things that happened while we were there. So if I hadn't let go of this, I couldn't embrace that. And there are some things in our lives that are going to seem to be perfectly normal, good, productive things even, and God's going to say, lay it down. And that's not the only time God has told me to lay down things that were working beautifully. It's been several times over my life. It's actually, it's the pattern of my life. That I get things started, I get them going well, and then God says, give them up. Okay. You think after a while you get used to stuff like that. But... The thing is, is we're going after what God has for us. And so Jesus is talking here that he will prune us, he'll remove things out of our lives that are going to be a hindrance to future growth and future development. So pruning will remove branches that are damaged or weak or unproductive or those that are an obstacle. Pruning will remove established habits, patterns, opinions, and mindsets. I have been through so many theological mindset changes over the past number of years. It's just not funny. You know, it's like you just maintain a loose-leaf notebook when it comes to your theology. Because at some point you're going to okay, page 23 no longer applies. We have a new page. Because we have a deeper understanding, a fresher understanding. Scripture doesn't change, but our understanding of it does many times, right? You know, it's like I said, when I was a child, I didn't know about healing, didn't know God still healed. So I had to take out that page that says God doesn't heal. I had to put a new page in that says, oh, yes, he does. And so there are mindsets and changes that we go through. I've had all kinds of things broken and changed, sometimes because of painful, difficult things that I went through, but other times just because I got exposed to some other influences and things were changed. So... There are some prunings. There are some things that God will move out of our lives, and opinions will change. I've changed a lot of opinions over the last number of years. And God will remove things from us that no longer serve his purpose, no longer serve what he's doing. You know, I haven't picked up another Women's Aglow chapter, you know. I was on the regional board for a while, and God told me to lay that one down too. I was like, okay. So I was on the regional board long enough to bring me with a few other women to bring some overhauling massive changes and then as soon as we finished God told me you're done walk away I was done so I finished it did something else verse 4 abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine so neither can you unless you abide in me 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. That's encouraging. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Isn't this interesting that all this pruning is involved because the Lord's looking for fruit. He's looking for evidence of his life and his power flowing within us. And he ties it to answered prayer. Whoa. If there is no fruit of answered prayer in a person's life, it indicates a disconnect from the Lord. Because if his life is flowing through us, we're going to see our prayers get answered. Not just prayers for ourselves, but for other people. If you're not seeing prayers get answered, then there's been a disconnect between you and the life. Hey, I'm glad to know that, aren't you? I'm glad to know, oh, there's a reason for that. Because God's will is that we bear a lot of fruit. Our Father's glorified when we bear a lot of fruit. He wants us here on the earth praying for lots of stuff. Because God wants to bring lots of positive change in the earth. So we, he wants us to come be that position to where we're here in his heart and we're praying in harmony with his scripture and with his spirit and we're seeing all kinds of fruit born as a result. All kinds of evidence of the life and power of God in our lives and on the earth. Hallelujah. I want it to be that when the Lord returns and he finds faith on the earth and we've got all of our trophies for all the answered prayers all the people that came to the Lord, all the people that got healed, all the crises that got averted, all the solutions that came because we asked and he did it because we were connected with him, because we allowed him to prune things out of our lives that were distracting us from his purpose for us. And so therefore, when he looks at our lives, look at all that fruit. We did the very thing that he had put us on the earth to do. Hallelujah. That encourages me. God's after much fruit. You see, so every time he is pruning us, it's because he's wanting more fruit. Pruning is a time of being scaled back. It's a time of pulling back. It's not fun. Pruning is when God is taking something from you, taking ministry from you, taking position from you, taking influence from you. I've had all that happen to me on more than one occasion. But the purpose every time was so that as I got scaled back, he could do a deeper work, things get broken off of me, and I could come forward in greater fruitfulness. And I'm here to tell you, if you go anywhere with God, you will be pruned over and over and over and over. And that means you'll be put into spiritual winter over and over and over again. We love spring and summer, don't we? We love spring and summer. The birds are singing. The blossoms are happening. It's wonderful. It's like a wonderful, glorious time with God. You feel so together, so on fire. Everything is right. Winter is when you feel dead. You feel nothing. There's no anointing. There's no life. And guess what? God gets out the pruning shears. And he starts to remove things from us because he wants greater fruitfulness later on. I want to encourage you, if God's removing something from you right now, if you're in a season where he has cut you back, cut back your influence, cut back your, mil- your, your ministry, your abilities, whatever, if he has cut you back, it's because he's got hope for your future. Because your future is going to be much greater than what you've experienced already. 
So I have learned in seasons of being cut back, being held back, being restricted, being delayed, having things not work out, I'm like, okay, this is pruning. And so that means springtime's coming. Springtime follows winter. Winter does not come forever. Even in Alaska, it's only nine months long. <laughs> then you get summer, you know. It always follows, you know. God does things in seasons. We can take encouragement from nature. So if we're being pulled back, we know there's coming a time later of bearing a lot of fruit. Jesus told a parable in Luke chapter 13 about a man who had a fig tree. And he had that fig tree, and for three years, it didn't bear any fruit. And so the man, the owner, was angry, and he said, I've had this tree for three years. It's high time. This thing should have been producing by now. And so since it's not, he told the gardener, he says, go cut it down. Just get it out of here. Don't waste any more time on it. Don't waste any more money on it. Just get rid of it. And the gardener said, wait a minute. Let me dig around it first. Let me put some fertilizer in there. Let me work on it a little bit. Let me deal with what is preventing this thing from bearing fruit. Maybe there are some weeds there that are cutting off the sunlight, or maybe there's something stealing the nutrients. Maybe there's something I can do to help make this thing improve. But he says, let me work on it for a while. He says, but then if it still doesn't work, hey, go ahead and cut it down. The truth is that God has invested a lot in each one of us, and he's looking for some results from everything that he's put on the inside of us. You have got more of the scripture in you than many people do in the world. There are some places where they don't have the Bible, you know, available to them. Most people in the world can't read, you know. There are places where if you come to church, you might get taken to prison. You know, so we have, a lot has been invested on the inside of us. We have, we're living in a time where it's okay to raise your hands. That Nobody's going to knock, knock us down through the door or drag us out through the streets. I mean, it's okay. We're not going to be arrested for baptizing in water. We're not going to be tortured because we believe these things. This has happened, and this happens today all over the world. So you know what? The Bible says that whom much is given, much is required. When God looks at all the investment, how many classes have you been to? How much present truth have you absorbed? How many times have you had prophetic word? How many times has God talked to you about your ministry? You know what? To whom much is given, much is required. God is looking for some fruit. If God has told you you have a healing ministry, then you need to be praying for people. If he's told you you have the gift of prophecy, you need to be prophesying to people, right? There needs to be fruit that's born. Otherwise, why should he invest anything else on the inside of us if we're not using what he's already given us? This is hard word part two, right? Right? Why should he? He's looking for good results, you know? I am I'm thankful that we have the liberty in this country to listen to scripture, to attend services, to do whatever. But I don't know if one day we might lose those liberties. If they came to your house tonight and took all your Bibles off your computer, off your shelves, off you know, all your CDs, all that stuff, if you couldn't access the scripture anymore, what would you do? How would you be? Would you have enough of it inside 
that you could quote part of it? Or would you be lost? No. Right now, you and I have got the opportunity to build a strong foundation of the Word of God. That we'll have it ready to pour out and to whoever needs it for that day. You go to work, somebody's got a headache, and the scripture comes up, by his stripes I'm healed. And you're able to lay hands on the sick and they recover. You're able, somebody tells you I'm having trouble at home, I've got problems with a kid, got problems with a spouse, and the scripture comes to you that's a solution to their problem. You know, that's the Holy Spirit working within us to help people, isn't that right? You see, God has invested wonderful things inside of us so that we can bear a lot of fruit and be a blessing to other people. Hallelujah. And he says, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. It's time for us to give attention to our spiritual health so that you are bearing a harvest next year, in this next year. I don't know how long you've been a Christian. Some of you have been a Christian for a long time. Some of you are fairly new into the things of God. Maybe you're in a church that you know, really didn't equip you or really didn't teach you a whole lot. But some of y'all have been in this church for a while, and it's an equipping place. And so you've had a lot of instruction. You've been taught faith. You've been taught how to pray. You've been taught how to cast out devils. You've been taught how to lay hands upon the sick. You've been taught how to prophesy, many of you. You've been taught how to, many of you have been taught dream interpretation. You've been taught how to be a blessing to other people, to serve, to lay it down your life. There's a lot of things that you've been taught. So I want you to bear fruit in 2008. I want this to be a year that you can look back on and you can say, I helped a lot of people. I was a blessing for a lot of people this year. I took what I was taught and told somebody else. I used the anointing that I had received and shared it with somebody else. I used my faith to get them healed, to get their bills paid. When somebody was discouraged and down, I used the, the, the gifts of compassion that God has given me to be a comfort. I was sensitive to the Holy Spirit was able to be a comfort and blessing to somebody else and be able to look back on it at the end of the year and say, I helped a bunch of people last year. I want everybody to be able to say that, everybody to be able to do that. So whatever you've got to do this year, if you need to take some classes, we offer classes. We don't offer fluff classes. Every class, class that we offer has a purpose of equipping you. Everyone that we do, every class that we offer, I mean, everything's not going to appeal necessarily to everybody, but we just don't waste our time or ask you to waste yours on stuff that doesn't help. I don't know about you, but I just don't need to just go to a bunch of junk that's not going to make a difference. You know, That's why I love when Sarah was giving the testimony about already knowing that this one class has already made a difference. You know, That's fruit. That's fruit showing up out of your life, right? Able to make a difference. Hallelujah. So maybe you need to take some classes. Maybe you need to get some healing. Maybe you're so broken, so wounded, so burned out, whatever, that you can't produce anything right now. Then let's make some appointments and get you healed. Let's get you delivered. Maybe you've just not been instructed enough of the Word and you need to have somebody explain things to you and learn how to re receive from God as a, as a beloved child. Well, let's make an appointment. Let's deal with it. Whatever you need. You need training. You need counseling. You need healing. Or if you need me to yell at you, I can do that too. It's like whatever that you need. I mean, let's, let's get it so that everything happens as it should. Find a place to minister to people. Let's find somewhere to be a blessing to somebody else. 
Make somebody thank God you were there. Somebody else thank God you're alive. Thank God you opened your mouth. Thank God you were there for them. That God is glorified. Let's do that. The Bible says in Hosea 10, 12, Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness on you. Let's sow some acts of righteousness this year. Let's sow some blessing. I want to pray. Father, in Jesus' name. Lord God, I want to thank you that we do have the instruction in your word. And that, Lord, that sometimes that we need a reproof or rebuke or an exhortation. That we may be pruned. That we may bear a lot of fruit. I pray, Lord, over these people that 2008 is their most fruitful year yet. That this is the year, Lord God, that we see the fruit of your Spirit, that we're becoming more like Jesus. The love, joy, peace, patience, the fruit of the Spirit is really showing up in our lives. That this is the year that we have phenomenal record-breaking answers to prayer. That this year we see people come to salvation, healing, deliverance, problems solved. We watch people be released to their destiny and calling. We see people discover who they are and they flow in their gifts and are blessing a lot of folks. God, this year, we want to see a lot of answers to prayer. We want to see things change in our families, in our churches, Lord God, in our government, in our community. This year, Lord, we want to bear a lot of fruit. So, Father God, whatever else kind of pruning's got to happen, whatever else kind of weed digging up and weed killing and rebuking and whatever has to happen to make us fruitful. Lord, we surrender to your process. We don't want to fight against it. We want to surrender to it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And Lord God, I ask you also for grace that if we are on the receiving end of a rebuke or a correction of any form or any shape, that, God, you give us the grace to take it well. Give us the grace, Lord, not to just get our feelings hurt and get mad, but, Lord, to really look at the truth of it and to respond as you'd have us respond. And, Father, I pray for those of us who find ourselves in a position of having to give the rebuke or the correction or the adjustment or whatever, that we would remember your word and do it with great patience and instruction. that it may be redemptive, that it may be redemptive. Hallelujah. I also pray, Lord God, that you give us the grace to overlook and forgive the shortcomings and failures of people. And remember that there is none righteous but you. There is none perfect but you. And give us the grace, Lord God, to see one another with compassion and with mercy. To forgive one another and to be tenderhearted towards one another, as your words instruct us to do. I thank you, Lord God. We believe for great things for this year. I thank you, Lord God. I speak and declare that these are fruitful trees in your orchard. These people are bearing great fruit this year in their season. Whatever season we're in right now, God, as we come into that springtime, summer, that God will bear a lot of fruit. 
for your glory, for your kingdom, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252, Chesapeake, Virginia 23328. Thank you.